Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Mark Poise is my guest today. Even though Mark still considers himself the new guy in Nashville, he's wasted no time establishing his reputation as a solid and high-energy player and highly motivated individual. His talent for playing and teaching caught the attention of Rich Redmond, who's been using Mark as a partner in his individual clinics as well as featuring Mark in his Drummer's Weekend alongside great players like Thomas Lang and Greg Morrow. Mark is currently the touring drummer for country singer Tyler Farr. This episode is sponsored by Forks Drum Closet, located just south of downtown Nashville, off 12th Avenue South. It's a great place to go if you're a pro player, a student, weekend warrior, or collector. Man, Forks has everything you're going to want to see. So if you're ever in Nashville, you've got to stop by, see the incredible selection of high-end gear, and uh, see where great drummers hang out. You just never know who you're going to run into. Visit them at ForksDrumCloset.com, or give them a call at 800 553 As always, you can go to workingdrummer.net. You can find us on Instagram at working underscore drummer. We've got a Facebook page, Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel. We've got some new videos up that we've been featuring a couple short interviews with drummers that are going to be the big feature in the tribute to Alex Van Halen at the Nashville Drummers Jam December 14th at the Exit Inn. Lastly, you can find us on iTunes where you can subscribe and a new episode will be sent to your smart device every week. So let's get right to it. Here is Mark Poise. Got married on Sunday. Um, the next thing I'm doing, drum-related whatsoever, is I'm doing a clinic uh, as part of Rich's, Rich Redmond's Drummer Weekend uh, over at Soundcheck uh, here in Nashville. And uh, I think I'm, I'm representing the, the new guy. You know, which I still am. I've lived in town here for two, uh, almost two and a half years, but I'm I'm a new face entirely, especially sure, in, sure in a close knit town yeah, like Nashville. Yeah. And uh, I, I assume that that's sort of the role I'm taking because you got Thomas Lang and and Rich and Mark Shulman and Jim Riley, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Greg Morrow. So I certainly am in one corner of of that. Um, but it's super cool. I was over there and, and it's set up like the coolest classroom in the entire world. Like, you know, obviously we, yeah. it's going to be a bunch of drummers and they got thrones and practice pads and, and everything for all the guys. And right now it's, it's Rich's kit and Greg Morrow's kit and my kit set up in the front. Nice. Um, and, uh, it's, it's really cool even to be a part of it, but it, even if I wasn't a part of it, it's cool to see, you know, I, I wish... I don't think that there were things like that going on when I was really coming up, so to speak, you know, like the, you know, age 17 or 16, 17, 18, Mm -hmm. when I really would have loved to do something like that. If it was going on, I didn't know about it. And I probably wouldn't have had the, you know, uh, ability to participate in it. Well, what role are you playing? I mean, how you say you're you're doing a clinic. Yeah. So can you, in a nutshell, kind of tell me... What it is that you're doing? Is there a, a format that you're? Well, that's part of part of uh, what my current stress level is <laughs> is figuring that out. Um, we can do that right um, now. Yeah, we'll Let's figure that out. Well, no, I mean to be honest, what I, I, I'm a you know I'm a, a a thinker. I guess I spend a lot of time in my own head thinking about things, and, and when I look at when I take a step back and look at what is going to happen this weekend with with Rich's weekend, I, I try to think about what I can bring to the table that is not already being delivered from an even more reliable source. Um, y- y- with with the guys that he has, it really, in a lot of cases, is the best of the best, mm. and and the best the best to deliver a certain message, yeah. and the best to deliver another message. And all these guys could do pretty much anything they want to do, mm-hmm. but you're get, you're really hearing it from the top. And I represent something different. Yes. Um, I, I you know I have a strange story that I came to this town and within. I mean, geez, within six months, I was on an arena tour, and within nine months, I was with Tyler Farr. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure we can talk about the yeah. my timeline later, but uh, I'm trying to uh, boil down why I'm there mm-hmm. to an essence, and I want to I want to have that as my seed for the clinic. So I want to talk about the things that that are important to me, you know, the things that I think make me different from other players, yeah. uh, some of them being strengths, some of them being weaknesses. Mm. Um, because you know we we are the sum of our 
strengths and our weaknesses, and wherever and wherever they meet in the middle is is where we're at, yeah. and that's why we're a good fit for a certain gig, and we're a terrible fit for another gig. Right. right. Um, and I want to talk about the things that make me me, and yeah. and hopefully parlay that into what are the things that make each of you you. Yeah. And yeah. and so you know sort of because that's it's something that gets glossed over a lot. You know, mm-hmm. you go to a clinic and and you see someone like Thomas Lang and he just embodies this this incredible superhuman thing mm-hmm. and all of us just think, well, he's Thomas Lang. He's 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 up here and and the rest of us are down here. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that each of us not to get like new age or anything, but each of us is is ourselves right. and just as unique as the next guy. Yeah. But you have to hone what yourself is. You have to know what it is first, yeah. and then you have to, uh, you know, we each have an opportunity to tweak it. So you can say, "I want to be more of this," and you can go grab some of that and incorporate it into yeah. your your playing or your personality or your image or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's the angle I want to take. Yeah. Um, talk about, you know, literally be a little bit raw and talk about the things that have made me into the person that I am now in mm-hmm. 2015 and uh and and be willing to lay it bare too some of the yeah. things that's like you know what uh I I stink at this mm-hmm. I don't know enough about this and 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 to be real enough for them that that hopefully that will inspire in a totally different way I've never seen a clinic where anyone did it but I think if I do that it might you know open up some ears uh, it you're very wise beyond your years man I, I think that's you have an extremely healthy perspective cool. on it. Thank you. And uh, I don't think that I understood that at your age. I think that what you are talking about is going to hit home. Cool. Very much so. You have something that the other guys don't have. You have this new perspective. You have you are quote unquote the new guy, and over time that's going to go away. Oh yeah, you yeah. know, and and you, you know, but still, I'm looking forward to that time. Yeah, just, yeah, just a little sure. bit. <laughs> sure, I understand. <laughs> well, because there's a certain amount of responsibility and and uh, a luxury to that title as well. Well, yeah. he's the new guy, so maybe there's a but. But look what he's accomplished. And sometimes, if you've accomplished just a little, it means a lot when under that title. Yeah. But still, you have moved forward relatively quickly and i think that that is going to be a unique perspective that a young student is going to say wait a minute here's a guy he's opening up he's talking about his weaknesses he's talking about the challenges and yet even despite all those things you've still moved along this far and you've accomplished these goals yeah elevate the reputation of the drummer (laughs) yeah no i thinking man i'm excited about it and i and i think uh that will actually put me more in my comfort zone than anything. I, I, I don't uh, spend a lot of time in formal situations, and, and a lot of drum clinics are very much like – Thanks for you, dressing up. You have the, the audience <laughs> – you have the audience and you have the drummer, you know, yeah. sometimes even up on a stage or something. And I think I'm going to treat it uh, like I've treated every time I've taught privately, uh, which I don't do much anymore. I, I used to several years ago, but where it's completely informal, and, and you just – lay it out on the table and and talk whether you know whether I was teaching a 10 year old or a 65 year old I, I treated it like a level playing field and I'm just as likely to learn from you as you are to learn from me and we're gonna ha- just share some time together yeah. and uh, I think treating it like that will put me in my comfort zone yeah. and uh, if I'm there I'm sure something good something will come out of it you know it'll it will be good I don't know if this is re- if this is the same kind of thing, but I, I've I've admitted on this podcast several times that I've walked away from almost every interview with like, oh wow, that's really cool, that was fun and that was very interesting and I've learned a lot. Uh, and it's not about me. Hey, I'm the catalyst f- to connect you with the listener. Yeah. I'm I'm just as much absolutely up on, you know yeah you know I feel like I'm getting a, a a free you know lesson, and that's what's that's what's great about it yeah. you know I mean um, w- whether yeah w- whether an interviewer or a host or a facilitator or a teacher or whatever it is um, we we get to uh, Sorry. if if you're if you have an open mind you can always learn something that you know and and I had some students where I had to learn. I mean, I, have you you spent time teaching as well? A, a little bit, and I'm starting to. Uh, I've got a lesson today, as a matter cool. of fact. So I'm I'm starting to build my uh, student. Yeah, my students up again. What I love about that is is that 
um, it can really put your tail between your legs um, because it might be describing. You Did know, you the, just say that because the dog walked in? Yeah. Well, yeah I okay. Guess, I guess I love dogs too, man. <laughs> he I, knows I, it. I've You're... got a beautiful golden at home. Um, but uh, it sometimes it might be describing you know boom crack to a kid for the first time. Yeah. You know, kick on one and three, snare on two and four, hi hat eighth notes, and they're not getting it, mm-hmm. and. At least myself, I don't know about other teachers, but if they're not getting it, I will feel like it's my fault. Yeah. And that means that I need to come up with another way to look at it, another perspective, another way to describe it, something else. And if the more ways I have to describe that groove, as simple as it is, and as much as I have been able to play that for years and years and years, yeah. it gets me to know that groove a little bit better, yes. too, because yes. I've gained this new perspective, even though... Yeah, I got it before. I didn't lack any understanding of it mm-hmm. before, but now I have instead of fifteen ways, I have sixteen ways to describe mm-hmm. it and approach mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And and you get paid for that, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I had a breakthrough with my student. I was doing the exact thing: eighth notes on the hi hat, kick on one and three, snare on two and four. He wasn't getting it right away. We sat down on a chair without a kit in front of us, and I hit my chest, and I put my, I said, hit your leg with your left hand, hit your foot, stomp the ground, you know, and we were boom. And he got it sitting down, and I said, run to the kit and play that. He was so excited, and he sat down and he played it. Yes. And I was like... And I, 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 I was so excited. I was probably more excited than he was. And I came home and I was oh, like, yeah. man, we had this great breakthrough. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's so – it's a different kind of satisfaction. But, yeah. um, you know, I never pictured myself a teacher when I was, you know, growing up. And, and uh, I started teaching actually more out of necessity for, for side income than anything. And I realized really quickly that there's this – Completely different satisfaction that comes out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it sounds like you have a teacher's soul. You want to share these things. And did and can we talk about what you do with now? Was Tyler Farr opening up for Jason Aldean? How was that yeah. connection with Rich? How did that become come about? And how is it that you guys are working together on his? Because we all know yeah. Rich's clinic yeah yeah uh, you know rich is the man uh the, i've thought about other ways to describe him but he's just the man uh in 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 the most true absolute way yeah uh the probably the best way for me to describe it i is my time in nashville um a lot of people have helped me out and a lot of people have been supportive but in a nutshell i owe everything to four guys mm-hmm. in in a timeline you know linear fashion i owe everything to four guys that opened a door each mm. each of them opened a separate door uh and it's it's strange to be able to say that because i've never had another time in my life when it when it came down to so few um individual junctures where all of a sudden this guy did something for me and then yeah. this guy did. so you know i'm i moved to town and this this will tie into what we'll probably talk about later uh tom sure. hurst yeah um i i used to teach at resurrection drums down in fort lauderdale florida hollywood florida which is a five-star drum shop like Forks or, mm-hmm. or uh, a Vix or a- any of them, you know, the, the real drummer's store. Yeah, right. So I, I taught there, and the owner, Jeff Lee, um, when I was moving up here, the owner, Jeff, was like, you know what? You know, he knows a bunch of guys in Nashville, obviously, but he thought that Tom and I would hit it off. Mm-hmm. So he called Tom and told him about me, and I just got a call out of the blue. I had been in town maybe four days. Mm-hmm. Got a call out of the blue from Tom Hurst saying, hey, man, let's meet up. Uh, you know, we got a mutual friend. Let's let's have lunch. So we go to Mitchell's Deli here in town. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of guys end up having those kind of lunches. Yeah. I meet Tom and I meet uh, Chris Nix, who's a yeah. fantastic guitar player, uh, one of the best ever. <laughs> seriously, yeah. and yeah. and uh, a huge part of. I think he's the musical director officially of the Loud Jams and drummer and the uh, Nashville Drummers Jam. Yeah, Nashville Drummer uh-huh. Jam. Uh so Tom introduces me to Chris, and I, I sort of, you know, befriend both of them. And Chris, ultimately, a couple weeks in, we're, we're jamming. We used to jam every Monday night at Douglas Corner. Um, and Tom asked me to come hang out. That uh, He heard that I cut my own drum tracks at home. So he said, well, you must know something about sound. I need a sound guy. Can you show up? And run sound, and if there's no drummer, play anytime you want. And you'll get to people get to hear you. And you. So I was like, 
dude, I have nothing else going on. I will be there to Perfect. run sound every Monday night. Perfect. <laughs> you know? Um, so I didn't even end up playing a lot because there was tons of drummers around. But once in a while, Chris and I would play together and we hit it off. We, mm-hmm. we had the same ear for the intricacies of music and parts and things. And this is just in an open jam. But you can tell guys that have a similar approach as you. Um, so Chris was and still is the musical director for Chuck Wicks. Um, so I was in town maybe six weeks, seven weeks, and he had a situation where, uh, he needed a sub drummer to do a show with Chuck. So, um, that opened the door to my first real Nashville gig, um, bus gig, you know, playing with an artist with, with real cred Mm -hmm. and, uh, started playing with Chuck and that gave me that legitimacy so to speak, in town, Tom Hurst put me on the Nashville Drummers Jam that was the Jeff Percaro tribute. Yeah. Um, had me play first of the night. I had this oh, crazy no. – uh, I played Hydra from Toto, which is this this awesome progressive song, changing time signatures. I was watching the video of you rehearsing it this really? morning, as a matter of fact. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you can imagine how nervous I was because oh, yeah. I'm, making, I'm making a million first impressions. I'm yes. the first guy playing all night, so I don't know how any, anyone else is going to approach that – You know. The, the Jeff Percaro thing. But I did that. And then Rich, we had met briefly through a mutual friend, but Rich heard me that night and was like, Oh man, this guy can play. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think a combination of being able to play and realizing that that's a very pressure situation. Yeah. Um, you know, we, I think all of us that have done the, the drummer's jam agree that it's like, well, I would compare it to doing your juries in uh, music in yes, college, music right, school. You know, right. at the end of every semester, you do a jury, and that pretty much determines your grade for your private lesson. It's <laughs> how very you play that day. Yeah. Uh, so that opened the door to Rich. So it went it went Tom to Chris Nix to Rich Redmond, and within maybe two months, there was an opportunity with Lindsay L, who. Okay. Uh, Rich and New Voice Entertainment, who is, you know, the three kings. Right. Um, Tully, Kurt, Rich, and uh, David Fanning also producing. They all worked with Lindsay, and they needed a guy to go out on the road with her, not only to play drums, but also to run uh, what turned out to be a pretty complicated Ableton live rig. Oh, interesting. Um, and that's something that I had learned uh, to do earlier in my career. I I, I just thought Ableton Live was super cool yeah, like 10 is. years ago and just learned it and, and was working with artists in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um before I moved to Nashville. So I, I had I, I knew the program, he knew I knew the program, and he knew that I could play. So he calls me for Lindsay, and there's no audition. It was just have have coffee with Lindsay, and she we hit it off, so she, I was going to be her drummer. Nice. So uh, I did her tour. It was nine weeks out with the band Perry, and it was incredible. Uh, it was incredible to, to even be at that point. You know, we're playing small arenas and um, doing – Exactly what I moved to Nashville to do. How long had you been in Nashville at that point? Uh, from mo- from moving into rehearsals with Lindsay, it was six months exactly. Wow. Um, and then, so that tour lasted nine weeks, and her single didn't do as well as the label had thought it would, and it, things were going to slow down, and she was going to go back in the studio. So I had thought that... I was, you know, smooth sailing from there on, and all of a sudden I'm realizing, oh, man, I don't have anything going on, and I haven't been in town long enough that a whole bunch of people even know me yet. Yeah. So I'm in trouble. Yeah. By pure coincidence, uh, Tyler Farr, who had just joined up with Jason Aldean on the road, Mm -hmm. Tyler Farr needs to make a drummer change, and instead of having auditions, because he had just had auditions before, um, he decides to ask Tully Kennedy, bass with Jason Aldean, for hey Tully, do you know anybody? Yeah. Tully is is officially Jason's band leader, so going to the musical director of the headliner on the tour you're on is a pretty good call. You know that's a safe bet. Right, hey sure. hey dude, do you know anybody? Right. And Tully knew because the Lindsay tour went so well, he was able to say, "Hey, this guy, you should get this guy, and he happens to be available right now." So it turned out by pure. I mean, I. I maybe even divine intervention i don't know but i played the last show with Lindsay of that tour and two days later i rehearsed with tyler and was on the jason aldean tour five days later yeah um i owe everything in in my career progression here to tom hurst chris nix rich redmond and tully kennedy and uh and obviously every one of those is an incredible guy to have in your corner but the combo of the four of them yes that's what creates the sort of nine months it was from beginning to end it was nine months by the time i landed with tyler Farr from from moving into nashville yeah 
to landing with Tyler. And uh, that's not normal at all. And No, and, and, and you even touched upon the fact that they saw something in you as a player immediately. And yeah. your ability to handle stressful situations. So you see divine intervention and it's i think it's 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 a humble way to mention or uh, to uh, describe the situation but man you you were able to deliver and yeah. those guys have years of experience under their belt and so um that's great man you handled it you proved to them that you could do it so yeah there was skill but obviously, you uh, brought something else to the table besides your playing. Yeah. Well, yeah, o- always having to deliver the goods in every way, yeah. not just playing, but yeah. but uh, the hang, as they call it, on the road. Yeah. Um, having having an image that, that somewhat suits an artist. You don't have mm-hmm. to it, – it's not Kiss where you got to do the makeup, but yeah. you always have to somewhat be able to suit the artist. Unless you're Rascal Flats, then you have to dress up. No, I <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That like was Kiss, crazy. Uh, um, that, that was wild. Um, but yes, absolutely. You know, each situation that was presented to me was merely an opportunity to step up to the plate yeah. and, and hit the ball. Yeah. Um, and you're still with Tyler. I am still with Tyler. Yes. And, and I'm, it, it amazes me not only that I ended up with a gig period, which I would have been happy with any gig yeah. moving to this town. I, I moved with a blank slate. I knew, mm-hmm. I knew more people in L.A. than I knew in Nashville. I still moved to Nashville just because I had a, a gut feeling that this is yeah. where I should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow I didn't even just get a gig. I got a gig with a guy that wants me to be exactly the kind of drummer that my goal – it was my goal to be that kind of player and to be known as that kind of player yeah. here. Um, and we talked about that when we met, um, what, maybe four or five months ago yeah. when we first met. Um I recognized you from different articles that had been written and, and some of the buzz around what you had accomplished in the short amount of time. Yeah. So it was great to make that connection. Yeah. And that's one of the things you talked about was when you got the Tyler Farr gig, there were a couple factors that you brought to the table that Tyler said, that's my guy. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And could you tell me again? kind of how that happened or what those things yeah. are. Well, you know, as drummers, just to give a back, I feel like I should give a background on my philosophy here before I say what specifically sure. happened. Yeah. I, as drummers, we have a very unique spot on stage and we have a very unique role in the dynamic of a band. And we have a lot of power available to us if we choose to take control of it. Mm-hmm. Not all drummers do take control of it mm-hmm. and that's not a judgment against them, but mm-hmm. I'm drawn to the drummers that do. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys that have their, you know, their finger on the emotional pulse of an artist and, mm-hmm. and kind of know what drives that person and know what they're, you know, what, what they're drawing from, what they're aiming for, all that stuff. And we're sort of the person that turns that into like pure energy and sound mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sometimes sheer volume. Uh, personifying yes, that emotion. That, uh, that's a good word. Yeah, okay. personifying all of that and, and and also gluing it all together with all the other um, band members. Mm-hmm. And with Tyler, I didn't have a lot to go on, honestly. I, I, I knew that he was a guy that had I had heard Redneck Crazy and I had heard Whiskey in My Water coming out a little bit at the time. Um, and then I was sent a, a board tape with video, a, a static front of house video um, and a recording from a show. And it was, he only played five songs in that segment of the Aldine tour. So I heard, I'm seeing this guy for five songs mm-hmm. and I have to come in and really I'm just playing those five songs on yeah. the surface. But on a deeper level, I need to figure out what he's going for and I need to make him more of that. Mm. If he is... Um, you know, a, a sensitive sort of uh, sensitive singer songwriter uh, type of delicate thing. I need to amplify that. Mm. If he is a maniac mm-hmm. that is like Ozzy Osbourne going to bite the head off of a bat, I need to amplify that. Mm. And with Tyler, I saw, you know, a, something. I uh, to be honest, I haven't seen any other artist ever okay. that's like Tyler, and that's yeah. I love working with him for that yeah. reason. But with with Tyler, I saw this this energy that I didn't think was you know being showcased enough. He's such an intense person, mm. 
um, and he's he's raw in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. And I I thought that if I was behind him, bringing drawing on some of my influences that that you know as a rocker a rock guy, um, if I draw on some of those influences and really play um, at ten, that he would feel that connection there. Okay. And um, so I, I went in and I I, I played. I mean, I, timid is probably the farthest word in the world from how I approached that from the very beginning. Yeah. I came in and I played like it was my gig, like it was the last gig I was ever going to play. Yeah. And like there was no possible way you could contain what was going on. Yeah. Um, and thank God – it really was a gamble because I could have been wrong. I didn't even know the guy. Right. <laughs> but right. that was my read on him, and I went in, and I I, I just went for broke. And uh, it was it was the right move because the, be- the best compliment I have ever gotten as far as being a pro and coming into a situation, yeah. when we got off stage the first show, uh, which is the first time we had ever played the songs with him singing, I had to rehearse him. We ran through everything once with no vocal okay. <laughs> at Soundcheck. Right. So the first time we ever actually played together, really played together, was a, sh- a show opening for Jason Aldean in front of 10,000, 15,000 people. Um, we get off stage, and he says, I've never felt so comfortable singing my own songs. Yes. You're hired. Yes. And I was like, cool. It, what, he didn't come up to me and say, I've never seen a drummer be so intense. I, he didn't say, I've never heard that feel so good. Or like, I love the stick tricks. Yes. He said, I've never felt so comfortable singing my own songs. Yes. And I, I can't imagine a, ever a bigger compliment than that, because what what more of a role do we have right. than that? Right. And it's great that you can do that and be a performer yeah. and to be and create something. Because one of the things that you were talking about when we met was your body movement. Yeah. And doing, I think, something that we see in certain drummers and a lot of drummers. We see that in uh, drummers like Rich Redman yeah. and other players where they're trying to connect with the audience through these visual things. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's. You were, can you tell me a little bit about that? Because visually, you, yeah, yeah, visually, and how uh, you that's always been an important thing to you, yeah. Well, I uh, I know myself personally, I'm actually more of a visual person than an auditory person, I, I react more to visual stuff than sonic stuff, and, and it's great, yeah. I'm a musician and I love music more than anything in the world, but but I, I actually realized that about myself. At a pretty young age, it's audience it, listens with their eyes, yeah. and a lot of artists listen yeah. with their eyes. I just I react more to to visual things. So when I was seeing drummers, even from the earliest age, I, how they hit the drums, how they moved, how the space between the notes happened, was so much. Um, well, I don't want to say more important, but it was. It struck me. It always struck sure, me. Sure, sure. And I would see guys that I love the sound, but I hated the motion. I would see mm-hmm. guys that I, I loved the motion, but the sound was so so. And then I saw the guys that I. It was a perfect marriage. Yes. And those are the guys that I latched onto, and uh, you know wanted to be essentially yeah, for a couple yeah. of years. Um, so you know that's a, that's a big part of of my visual style is you know I geeked out for years on guys like Morgan Rose with Seven Dust. Okay. Um Shannon Larkin with Godsmack, uh, Will Hunt with Dark New Day, uh, now with Evanescence. Um and th- they're not the originators of this, but they were the guys that I was listening to. I right, was right. Seven Dust was my favorite band in the world for second half of high school and all of college. Yeah. You know, even though I was in, in jazz school at the yeah, University of sure. Miami, I'm listening to Seven course, Dust all the time while I'm transcribing Elvin Jones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was the way they moved, and there was this intensity to it that, you know, they could raise their arm, and before the stick even came down and touched the drum head, you knew the sound that was going to come out. Yeah. It was it, it, they were draw they were creating something that was larger than life and it was mm-hmm. it was more than just the sound of the drum mm-hmm. it was like this force right um, so I used to um, you know just like you would slow down audio and figure it out mm-hmm. I used to turn on DVDs I I even bought all these bootleg DVDs of all the rock drummers I loved Josh Freese was another one mm-hmm. Abe Laboreal Jr was another one right um, totally. and so I used to buy every DVD I could. 
and sit in my parents' living room and put it on slow-mo and have a pair of sticks in my hands. And I would move even even to the weird contortions where the stick is, you know, all the way back and it doesn't even look natural. I would follow every step of their stroke to see what it felt like to be in the position that they were in. Interesting. And uh, I don't know, uh, maybe it was a good idea, maybe it was a bad idea. I, I, it, I wasn't told to do that. It was just something that I, if I want to do this, I should try to – what are they doing? Why does it look so cool? Something drew you to that. Exactly. So yeah. I, uh, I'm i not sure if other guys ever did that, but I was I was a total geek. Yeah. So I, yeah. I was trying to move exactly as they moved, and it wasn't about – even about stick tricks or anything. It was about the motion. It yeah. was about the flow. Right. And a funny part about it is when you're playing big like that, the flow is part of the groove. Yeah, you know your motion, the way the sticks move, dictates the way the groove feels that you're playing. Right. Um, because as they say, it's about the space between the notes. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and well, and again, I think a lot of people forget to practice certain things. We're always trying to practice hitting the drums. Yeah. We forget. Um, I know Ben Caesar talks about movement, movement yeah. around a kick, and practicing those types of things. Billy Ward talks about things like. Practice counting off a song. Yeah. Things that we all forget. It's like we just need to get on the drums and play and hit, hit, hit. But it's like what about all these other things that are just as important, that have equal value, that lends itself to the way you sound and what you bring to the table yes. during a performance? Yeah. Because we can be the best practice room drummer in the world, but that compliment that you got from Tyler – meant that you were able to m- kind of marry those things together. Yeah. And I'm sure that he turned around and saw the intensity yeah. and felt the passion and felt the emotion that you were bringing, and that gave him comfort yeah, and the playing. And, uh, you know, so that's great, man. Yes. Yeah. And I think people yeah. need to know that. The, the uh, j- Just to expand on, on the visual yeah. thing, one, one thing that I love to point out is, is that um, – some of the, some younger drummers, um, it's not just now. It's always this is always the case. Guys will think that oh, what's going on now is a new thing. You know, this is the this is the modern trend. This is the way drummers are playing today, and it's different than how they used to play. But you know, the guys that I slowed down and the guys that I really latched onto, mm-hmm. and this, this obviously I was latching onto all the greats, like mm-hmm. the the guys. You know, I had my my drum modern drummer magazine subscriptions, and I I was all in all of it. But this stuff I was drawn separately. Um, that's just what the music that was coming out when I was you know in middle school right. and high school and in college. Um, but you look back and you have Dave Grohl with Nirvana. You have Tommy Lee with Motley Crue playing like that. You go further back, yep. even before, I mean, the Ginger Baker thing, and all, yep. but you, you go even further back to the big band days, yep. and you have guys like Sonny Payne, yep. Papa Joe, Gene Krupa that are ultimate showmen. Yep. Not only are they showmen, they're in a suit and they're smiling the whole freaking time. I know. And to think that they didn't work on that stuff... That's why is, I corrected myself yeah. earlier when I said there's this new thing. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. This isn't new. Yeah, yeah. And to be to be honest, there's video. Sonny Payne is 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 one of my favorites um, because there's footage of him out there when he he's playing. You know, like we're talking 1940s here, yeah. and and he's playing and he's doing showmanship stuff that no one is even doing nowadays. Mm-hmm. We have it's almost like we've gone backwards in time. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. we we used to have planes and now we're back with, you know, trying to rediscover the wheel again. Because <laughs> these guys did so much back then yeah. and it's just that every new generation thinks that they're on the cutting edge and I look back at those guys and and now draw just as much yeah. because it's it's refined and yeah. and they worked on the motion, they worked yeah. on uh, the flow, the visual, all that and and they were the definition of showman. The, the program at Miami is is incredible. Um, the, you know, my 
my beginning story is is a lot like a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't start playing drums at three. I started at ten. You were watching Ed Sullivan and the yeah. Beatles came on. Oh wait a minute, no, that's <laughs> no, yeah, it's like everyone else's I, story. <laughs> I was, I you know, I was in fifth grade. I picked up the snare drum in fifth grade band. Now I always knew I wanted to play drums. I, I remember the day in kindergarten when I when it hit me that I wanted to play the drums because we got to go to a school assembly and hear the middle middle school jazz band. And I t- this. Whoever was playing drums that day probably quit long ago, but I saw a guy behind a gold sparkle drum kit, and I was just – it was magnetic. We're going to get our research team on that, and I'll let you know who that is. <laughs> I, I highly doubt that this guy even thought about playing drums in 10 years. But um, but whatever kid in the middle school jazz band, that it was – it was magnetic, and it was always stuck in my mind from that point on. Um, but I had to wait till fifth grade before I was allowed to, you know, join band. You do it the right way. You go right, you right. start playing snare drum. Waited another year before I ever got behind a drum kit. Um, but I was just more intense, probably. I was more uh, like encompassed by the drums than the other kids in band. So I just went further, faster. Mm-hmm. Um, Go, doing everything I could from jazz band to orchestra to playing in garage bands to picking up gigs. I played the first time I ever got paid to play. I was it was a polka band. Yeah, I was like four, 13 or fourteen. Every other guy was over sixty, and they they needed a drummer because the guy had a heart attack. Oh <laughs> so, my gosh. so they got this fourteen year old kid in there. That was the first time I ever was paid to play. So I was just doing everything I could, and I. I knew by from probably 13 on that this was my path in life. You know, I don't know everything I'm going to do in life, but I knew this was such a massive part of it that I was going to go all into music. Um, So I knew that I wanted to study uh, not just music or music education. I was so gung ho. I had to study drum set Mm -hmm. in college. Mm -hmm. So that narrowed my college search dramatically. Um, at, At that point, by pure coincidence, this is Modern Drummer Magazine, maybe like 2001-ish, 2002. They happened to run a, th- a thing about, uh, you know, four-year universities that offer drum set performance degrees. And they had a whole list of schools, but they said above all else that at the top of the crop was uh, Berkeley in Boston, North Texas, and Miami. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, cool. My college search just became Berkeley, North Texas, and Miami. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. what, yeah. what What else would it be? Yeah. Um, so I, North Texas, uh, as, as legendary as the program is, something about Texas, I just didn't want to go there. And when you're 17, that's enough, and that's all you need to know. I just didn't yeah. want to go to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple guys older than me in school that went to Berkeley, and I, I heard that was the best. Um, but I went up there, and it just didn't jive with me. Okay. You know, they had – However, 500-some drummers, God knows how many they have now. And uh, they were all segregated. There was the rock guys and the jazz guys mm-hmm. and, and the Latin guys. And and I went in. I was on this tour, and I said, hey, so you talk about all this. How many guys do everything? Mm-hmm. And they looked at me. No joke. They looked at me like I had two heads. Mm, wow. they, they didn't understand my question. Well, yeah. well, you, why would you do – you can't do that. Why would, and I was like – I, but I think I should do that. That's yeah. what I. That's what I've always done is do everything. Right. So I went down to Miami and met Steve Rucker, who has been the, the head of the drum set program down there since the seventies. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve's thing was, man, you're not even going to get in here unless you can do everything. You know, wow. there's there's twenty drummers in the whole program. There will yeah. be maybe five in your class. Mm-hmm everybody's going to be able to play everything, mm-hmm. you know, at least fake it really well. Mm-hmm. And I was, and something about that and, and the way that he taught and, and we, you know, we had, had a, a long hang that first day that I was down there. I was like, man, this is the place for me. Yeah. It had nothing to do with the weather or, or the football or anything. It was, mm-hmm. I was like, this is the place that I need to go. Yeah. And at the time, a lot of the drummers, there were a lot of drummers that were Miami alum that were all doing huge things right then. That was right uh, during a, one of the many Latin explosions. So Shakira was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, she still is, obviously. But Enrique Iglesias had just become a smash. Um, you know, Brendan Buckley, Miami alum, has been with Shakira forever. Van right. Romain, yeah. a Miami alum, has been with Enrique forever. Uh, Ed Toth, who now lives yeah. in Nashville, he was a big claim to fame because Vertical Horizon was huge. Right, right. And uh, he was a Miami alum. Jason Sutter was playing with American Hi-Fi, and they were just breaking out smash. Yep. There were so many players 
that were all doing what I wanted to ultimately do, I was like, no question, I'm here. So I went went to Miami, and it it was, you know, to sum it up, it was everything I was looking for and more because Mm -hmm. you learn the most outside the classroom, you know? Right. Um, And while I was there, not only did I get to take the most of the program, and ultimately the, the top big band there is called the Concert Jazz Band. The year I was in it, they were actually up, it was up for a Grammy. It was mm-hmm. it was insane to be 21 years old and have the 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 group that you're playing with on the Grammy Awards. Yeah, um, just mentioned. Um, but also, I ended up I was able to gig in the Miami scene, um, right. and I started playing in a bunch of different cir- circumstances. But eventually, I ended up in a wedding band, uh, doing top 40 music, playing martini bars, corporate events, stuff like that. But this was it was no ordinary wedding band. Um, at the time it was, but now it's not because the keyboard player and band leader uh, was Danny Morris, who now ha- has at least a handful of hip-hop number ones producing oh, cool. producing and writing. Um, the guitar player uh, is now with Ricky Martin. The bass player was with Flo Rida. And every, every vocalist in the group got separate record deals at different times as a solo artist. That's pretty cool. It was like the ultimate all-star band. I'd say so. And I got to start in that at 20 years old. Yeah. So that I mean it was just we we always were like oh we're so good but as time went on we realized like no this we are <laughs> look at what everyone did like <laughs> holy crap this band is awesome we so we were really playing good. you know like you know Donald Trump's house and stuff yeah. crazy parties for me I'm just paying my way through college yeah. but I'm learning about pocket I'm learning about mm. all these styles this is a band that you, you're playing Earth Wind and Fire one minute you're playing Black Crows another minute you're playing Celia Cruz salsa another minute and then you're doing a jazz cocktail hour it's like doing it all literally you know what i went to miami for to be able to do it all um so fast forward you know i I get out of school i'm doing that um i ended up pursuing it's it's sad that it's almost a footnote but i i right after school joined a rock band that ended up being you know it was my dream band yeah you know having always been a rocker i was like i'm going back to my roots so i'm going to do what i originally planned to do and i was in this band ghost of gloria for five years and we built it from nothing up to getting a huge deal with emi um you know we toured got to tour opening for Godsmack and opened for shine down and fuel and uh avenge seven like awesome Right. Awesome groups nice. and getting to see and learn and develop a rock style, but ultimately that didn't pan out um, for for reasons that that rhyme with a lot of things you see on VH1 behind the music. Okay, <laughs> and and uh, and I ended up back in the wedding scene, just sort of you know making a living again. And you know by this point I'm 27, I guess. Uh, this is just a couple. I'm 30 now, so this is three years ago. I'm back in that scene and I'm realizing that I need to make a move. I need to. I need to really, you know, put it all on black or red mm-hmm. and, and, and make a move for myself because I didn't want to play weddings. I didn't want to play corporate events. The money was awesome. You know, I, yeah. the money was so awesome. I didn't deserve it in my twenties because I didn't know how to use it. <laughs> but, but <laughs> I, I knew, I knew that that wasn't my future. You know, it, it was great and it's great for a lot of guys, but I knew that that wasn't what I was made for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I realized that I, at least my plan that I formulated was maybe I, instead of being able to do everything, instead of being the guy that can go do a reggae gig one night and a salsa gig the next night and then go crush it with a rock band another night, maybe I should pigeonhole myself now. Hmm. Maybe it's better to be known for one thing than to be sort of known for everything. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the the impetus and the philosophy behind my move to Nashville. It was... um you know, yes, I can do everything at least somewhat well. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what comes up. That that's you, you're a pro. Yeah. You, of course, you call anything in the world. Let's do it. Great. Yeah. It's going to sound good. You know, yeah. at least functional, if nothing else. Right. But uh, I, I I had the thought that you know maybe you know if I want to be like the guys that I've always looked up to, yeah, I should have something that you can define. Yeah. I I sh- and I realized even at 27 I knew I had that. I knew I knew I had a mark thing that mm-hmm. what, you know everybody would hire me to do whatever but when I when I did the mark thing I knew I could make people's jaws drop. Mm-hmm. And that was the mark thing was a unique blend of a guy that went to jazz school mm-hmm. and loved like 
new metal and also spent time playing all this hip hop stuff in Miami. Yeah. And it, it's a strange combo of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, lo- I got all into the DJ scene. I loved, you know, DJs like, you know, Paul Van Dyke and BT. All They're playing the nightclubs in Miami. I used to geek out on that. There's not even a drummer in there. Right, right. Um, so I was it's such a strange mix of things, yeah. and I realized that I don't have to try to be unique. I am unique. Yeah. I yeah. no one else has walked my path. Exactly. And I realized that the way I played, um, you know, I could cop a lot of things, but if I just did my thing, it just sounded a strange mix. Hopefully, not a bad strange, but like it's sort of a strange mix of sure. all these different elements. Mm-hmm. And what I saw happening in Nashville was this, you know, I mean, guys like Rich Redmond and you brought up Sean Fuller the other day. That was the thing. I remember seeing Sean with Florida Georgia Line on one of the award shows. Yeah. And I was in my apartment and uh, I lived in Deerfield Beach, Florida at the time. It was right when I was really considering the Nashville thing. And I saw Sean playing and I was like, yeah, I need to be in Nashville. Because uh, yeah. I'm seeing him do, do, do the Sean Fuller thing. And I was yeah. like, I think the Mark Poise thing, you know, I think somebody wants that. I think somebody will want yeah, that in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. And you were right, man. And yeah, yeah, so so at least so far, you know, yeah, <laughs> maybe sure. the title turned, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's been a, a strange uh, path to this point. But um, that's sort of you know again what we were talking about with right. And what you were saying about you know it's like I have I can do all these things, and that was important to you. That Miami brought, yeah, and that's why you chose Miami, and and it's funny. Our stories are very similar. I had the same experience, but also when I was in my mid to late twenties, I saw Kenny Arnoff. Yeah, and he said, "You can have ten C minus grooves, or you can have three A plus grooves." Yeah, and he goes, "I do two or three things really well, and I've made a career out of it." Now that doesn't work for everybody, but for him, it was the thing. I think he's lying. I think he can do like 20 things really well. But still, that thing hit home. And later, after I was in Nashville and I was touring, we opened up for John Fogarty. And I got a chance to talk to him. And I said, you said that to me. And immediately I said, I've got to go to Nashville. And I moved. Awesome. To Nashville. And I thought, I play jazz, Brazilian, Latin, uh, rock, all this stuff. But who's me? What? Where do I shine? Like you were saying. Yeah. What do you do best? You do the mark thing. Yeah. And so that is when, you know, that's when you shine and that's what, what people saw. And that's what Kenny said that all of a sudden the light bulb went on. Again, for me and like for you, you came to that realization on your own, which is impressive. But that that's what works for the type of path that you've chosen. Yeah. That's really cool. and And, you know, I believe that, you know, pass or fail, win or lose, if you commit to that, you're going to be able to live with whatever the ultimate outcome is. Yeah. If you don't necessarily get what you always wanted out of your career, but you owned it and, and you you sure. you really owned something, you win. Mm-hmm. You, you still win at the end of the day. Yeah. If you went around chasing everything mm-hmm. and nothing ever happens mm-hmm. – what do you even have to reflect on at that point? You yeah. you just ran around chasing the, the everything to grab your attention at any point. I'll do this gig. I'll do that gig. And yeah. well, what are they hiring? Well, at that point, you you cr- you made yourself generic drummer number sixty five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, I all the bottom line is in the world. There's always going to be plenty of generic drummers because a lot of guys aren't embracing who they are. Yeah. They're they're trying to be everything else, yeah. but. If you can just create an identity, mm-hmm. even if that doesn't grow, that that identity is Dennis Chambers, mm-hmm. it's still a victory in and of itself. And and I, I I believe you know deep down that something good can come of that. Yeah. It may not be everything that each person always envisioned. I mean, my career is is not what I envisioned. I absolutely love it, but yeah. I never even thought I'd be playing country music <laughs> to right, be honest. Right. My biggest thing and my MO, drumming aside, is listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Know your body and listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes, as far as a, a physical health, a, a mental health thing, too. And, yeah. and to be completely honest, I work out because it clears my mind. Yeah. Um, I do all my best thinking when I'm sweating and breathing hard and, and just in the thick of it. Um, 
you know, I, I probably, I guess at times I just had a bunch of wedding cake and stuff. So <laughs> I, I definitely added a couple pounds this week, but, uh, at times I pro- I might look like a gym rat, like a guy that's always trying to put up a lot of weight. And that's never my intention. My intention is first of all, clear mind because I can get myself in all sorts of a funk mm-hmm. if, if I'm not, you know, letting things sort themselves out and, yeah. and all that. And my time and place to do that is working out, whether it's yeah. a jog, whether it's weights or whether it's a hike or I, well, I don't care what it is. But there's you know? a lot of science behind that. Yeah. That's and, true. and, uh, and so to me, that's listening to my body. If, if my head is all over the place and crazy, mm-hmm. one of the first things I think is I need to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I say that knowing everyone's not going to be that way. Some guys are going to think working out is the opposite of, of a happy mind. Uh, and, and, and maybe it is for them, but that also ties into the fact that what we do, uh, is physical. E- even mm-hmm. the least physical of drummers is still doing a very physical activity. Mm-hmm. Um, me right now, I'm playing insanely physically mm-hmm. you know i am i'm huffing and puffing and drenched in sweat There's and youtube videos and, of that I, and i can practically terrible. throw my shoulder out of socket you know when i'm going to hit a crash cymbal so i have to take care of my body yeah. my my goal is never high weight it is always um you know really just a good pump feels feels mm-hmm. the best but it's never high weight it is uh, trying to be lean, mm-hmm. trying to feel strong, mm-hmm. and trying to protect all the important joints. Um, you know, I, to be honest, I've got both of my shoulders is a little bit funny. Mm-hmm. I can pop them like three different ways, and, okay. and uh, sometimes they don't feel good. Go, I've got my crashes a little bit high and, and sort of mm-hmm. flat, so sometimes it doesn't feel great. Um, I don't think I hurt myself by drumming, though. I just think I sleep weird. <laughs> so well, yeah, that can, that can uh, do it too. So I, I I try to listen to my body and I try to maintain. So yeah. Yeah. it's sort of an ever evolving workout routine. Yeah. You know, I I see you've got a thing on the wall here: put push ups and pull ups. Certainly, like those are a big part of what I do. Yeah. I I have gone away. The older I get, at thirty now, I've gone away from the bench press squat type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, periodically i'll do it if i've got time in a gym i'll just do it to do it but i'm never trying to bench what have you what in what in place of those things are you doing um really i I, to be honest i focus more on cardio than Mm. anything else because i read an article and maybe it's completely wrong but years ago i read an article about how men tend to focus too much on weight training and women tend to focus too much on cardio and it should be the other way around mm-hmm. because women need to try to build some muscle mass and stay mm-hmm. strong and men need to actually not worry about the muscle mass mm-hmm. that happens naturally yeah. and keep it lean. Yeah. Um, I just sort of, st- I'm, I'm big. I have trouble losing weight. I could add 20 pounds of muscle yeah. real easily. Uh, that's just my body type. So I try to... I was going to say you look like a bench press squat. Yeah, I, I don't. Body type to that degree but I you're don't. like no this yeah. but this is the way because because yeah. my body is is naturally inclined to that that's the last thing I want to do yeah. I'm spending time uh on the treadmill on the elliptical um I do tons of ab work because mm-hmm. strong abs leads to a strong back and a strong back is a drummer that is not in pain yeah um so I every every day I work out I work my abs um I, I'm not crazy about a six pack either. It's it literally is because yeah. that that supports a strong back, um, and I never lift my legs because they feel tight. So I let cardio do that. You know, mm-hmm. um, if it's if it's running or whatever, I, I have actually never lifted legs at all. Wow. Okay. Um, so. I probably look like more of a fitness ambassador than I am. Um, I try to just listen to my body, and yeah. if I feel weak, mm-hmm. I will try to strengthen that. Yeah. And if I feel weak in a show, if I feel like I'm I'm losing, you know, sh- shoulders, I'm a, I'm up high a lot over my head, mm-hmm. and in a ninety minute show, that does take its toll. So yeah. that'll tell me I need to do some shoulder raises. Mm-hmm. I need I need to work on that stuff a little bit, and strengthen yeah. it, mm-hmm. not high weight. But high reps because I'm doing right. about ten thousand reps per night with a drumstick. Right, right. Um, and then another big part of it is is eating healthy. Yeah. Um, I'm not a strict guy with that either. Mm-hmm. I just I try to do the the general things. You know, mm-hmm. you you make a couple big strides and and you can mess up a couple times on the mm-hmm. on the small stuff. The wedding cake. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the Nashville Drummer Jam. We've got the Nashville Drummer Jam 7 coming up December 14th at the Exit Inn, and you're a part of it. 
but this isn't the first one. Yes. Uh, so can you talk a little bit, bit about your experience with that? Um, first of all, Nashville Drummer's Jam has turned into this awesome beast Mm-hmm. that has no equal anywhere ever in my opinion um now now that you know the guys that that we are paying tribute to are actually like you know the, not only the hearing about it but they're getting involved sometimes right, right. It, it's this is it's so cool and i think part of it i think it's no accident that nashville has risen you know in my opinion nashville is and will continue to be even more of the music hub of the world uh, it's it's there's this force going on right now, and I think Nashville Drummers Jam is is a representation of that. Um, when I first moved to town, Tom Hurst and Chris Nix were so gracious to put me on the Jeff Brocaro tribute, mm-hmm. um, which was a, a monstrous undertaking. But it showed me, having been in town three months at the time, like this is Nashville. Yeah, like, yeah, dude, the bar is here. Yeah, and uh, and I think it's so awesome because. When, when you're when you're gigging, you're on the road. At you, it's easy to fall into a rut. Mm-hmm. Whether you even if you're sounding maybe you're sounding great, but you feel like you're not because you feel like you're not breaking new ground. And this kind of thing is is such camaraderie mm-hmm. and friendship and a good hang. But yet it's also pushing everyone because we're all pushing each other to be better, yep. not in a competitive way, but because we all love the same thing way. Right, right. Um. So this one, Alex Van Halen is I don't know I I'd venture to say it's a little bit different in the nature of it than the others. How so? Um well I don't know I mean you we've we've got we've got Percaro, we've got Bonham, we've got Neil, we Stuart Alex is like he's such his own guy. Yeah. Van Halen is such its own thing that mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know how to describe it with you yeah. know but when you know the music and you know that like it's so clear that they're different. Yeah. Um, not to say that all the other guys are the same. They couldn't be. That couldn't be further from the truth. Right. But, right. But Alex and what they, what Van Halen embodies, yeah, um, stands alone, and it is completely unique. And there's a level of intensity mm-hmm. there, in my opinion, that is going to be really, really cool for yeah, all of us right. to try to right. emulate or mm-hmm. draw from or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Was there uh, a discovery of Van Halen for you? Well, here I'm going to show my uh, my new guy status because I grew up. I'm, I'm a '90s kid, you right, know. Right. Um, I didn't. I didn't grow up when that thing was coming out. You right. know, like I, I'm. I'm actually sort of jealous of the guys that get to say, like, "Yeah, man, I bought this. I bought this album when it came out." Exactly. I did. I didn't discover it later because someone told me to check it out. Um, I was just hearing songs like, you know, Jump and Panama and Hot for Teacher on the radio, mixed in with other stuff on the rock radio station. Yeah. Um, it was. It wasn't groundbreaking because you know I was. I was in diapers when it was groundbreaking. <laughs> um, and I'm not bragging about that. I feel like I'm behind the curve here. But um, Alex was a guy that I learned to appreciate the more that I was playing the drums. Right. Because, because he didn't come in and knock my door down when I, I wasn't 15 when they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's one of the guys. Stuart was the same way, to be honest. Stuart mm-hmm. Copeland. Um, that I, I came to appreciate later. Sure. Because I was growing up and I was all about you know, Stone Temple Pilots and like mm-hmm. the Foo Fighters first and second record. Like that was my time mm-hmm. getting it together that on makes, my instrument. Yeah, and that yeah. makes sense. And we all go through that. For um, sure. So Alex was a guy that when I came around to discover him, I realized how nuts and unique and just just crazy, not in a bad way. Yeah. Crazy it was. Right. Um because I had context at that point. I had real context, yeah. and I got to figure out what everyone was talking about. Um, I just hope I can, you know, do it just... Like, my goal My goal is not to be Mark at all. My goal is, is to try to channel as much as I possibly can of that into it. Uh, that's always been my goal with these things. Everybody sort of approaches it di- differently. You yeah. get to see... You know, sometimes that's the difference in, in each of our personalities, but I think it's cool... You, you have to try to be this guy, yeah. you know, hit that, hit the hi-hat the way Stuart hits the hi-hat, you know, like right, right. make a groove feel the way Jeff Percaro made the groove feel, you know, 
play the kit the way Alex. I mean, what more do you say than that? Like, um, I'm going to be playing. Am I allowed to say what I'll be playing? Yeah, if you want, some uh, some people. Uh, Sean uh, mentioned. Sean Fuller mentioned the, the song that he was playing. Okay. when why and how he came to it. And some are some are like, no, wait, you know. So it's up to you. Okay. Well, no, I'll say it um, yeah. because. Uh, so many guys have song, you know, obviously there's the songs that guys are like, I call this, I call that. So I, I had talked to Chris, who Chris Nix, who's a great buddy of mine. And I'm so, I'm always like, man, I'm so honored to even be part of this. Like mm-hmm. what hasn't been taken? And I look at the list and I'm like, no one picked jump. Like you can't have a Van Halen thing and not do jump. So just in a, in a pure way of like, somebody's got to play this freaking song. I'm playing it. Nice Um, man. And, and it's, it's not, you know, it's not the heavy, you know, it's not the heavy, like all the glory lies here. So it's just like, dude, you got to do this. And it's, it's gotta be done because jump is like, you know, as you go through, it's, it's like Rosanna. It's like Tom Sawyer. It's like, uh, you, you know, it's like the there's this there's a certain song that a lot of people associate with the band. Yeah, I mean, as drummers, we may say "Hot for Teacher," of course. Yeah, know? but um, but yeah, "Jump" is uh, you know, or "We Will Rock You" is is it, yeah. You know, you associate one song with one band. Yeah, and "Jump" has got to be it. Man. So yeah, you're so carrying the torch. That, that yeah, it's this. It's not the song that all the drummers are like, "Oh man, who's gonna play Jump?" And what are they gonna play? Like, how are they gonna do it? No. It's it's a song that you know to the I guess to the non musical public it's probably the biggest song right yeah um, but it's it, just for what it is I was like man we we can't not play that song so I'll do it it is the public knows it but come on man that guitar <laughs> yeah. solo oh yeah the drum part in the guitar yeah. solo when I played it in bar bands for years too Have so you? yeah okay. so I've I, never played it now before, now I do but... need to say I actually need to spend some time on, how are you preparing on this on the the synth solo. Because I want to play ex- like I used to. Yeah, it's over the bar line. It's this and that, and you approximate it in a bar band. I, I'm, I'm going to play what he played there. Yeah. Because I think you know. Again, it's like this is an opportunity for us to step out of our comfort zone mm-hmm. to uh, to shake things up a little bit. Yeah. So I'm going to try to actually be Alex and not be oh I'm Mark playing Alex. No, screw yeah. that. Yeah, that's great, man. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. It'll right? be fun. I mean, I I know that there are uh, some surprises in store for this one. Yeah, that I think so. That will make it uh, just an. It, it's going to be another level. I t- I keep telling David that. Um, this keeps setting the bar. Every time they do this, uh, the bar gets set higher, and it's starting to get a lot of attention. And when Stuart Copeland sent his video in, I think Alex caught wind of that and said, "Whoa, I got to do that too." So you, if you haven't, if anybody's not seen this, you've got to go and see the announcement. Oh, it's so it. cool! And the fact that um, there's some uh, there's some surprises in that, and. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing you play, man. Thanks, I've never man. seen you in person. I've seen you uh, on you know YouTube and all those things, and it, it yeah. sounds great. And I'm looking forward to hearing you yeah. play. Uh, did you play the Neil Pert? No, uh, I didn't. Okay, it, I'm like, oh my yeah, gosh, the tough, maybe I did already the, see him play. No, the tough thing is, is I was I was supposed to do the Bonham one. I was supposed to do the Neil Pert one, and both of them. That was right when I had started with Tyler. And yeah. last year we did. Geez, we were on the road like 230 days. Okay. So I ended up missing both. Neil Pert, I had to back. It was two weeks before I had to back out. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was supposed to do subdivisions, um, and we were doing a Navy tour, and the Navy changed our dates. I was in the Persian Gulf on an aircraft carrier the night that we did that. Yeah, that, 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 that happened at the happened. exit in. Okay. Uh, so I'm so happy that, like, that – Fortunately, just a little bit less busy this year, and that I can guarantee that. Well, in I'll December, mid December is a good time. Uh, the holidays are around. People, are, the works kind of slows down for a lot of musicians, yeah. and hopefully for a lot of people that just want to come out and see it. So December fourteenth, come check out Mark play, jump, jump, yeah, awesome, yeah. the party song, yeah. <laughs> hey man, thanks for the interview. Thank you. Thanks for the time. It's been awesome. Yeah, great talking to you, man. Yeah, absolutely. So there you have it. There's my interview with Mark. Uh, It was really great to get to know him a little bit better and uh, try and understand where he's coming from, his perspective, and the way he thinks about things. It's more than uh, confidence. It's it's more than an air of confidence. It's um, He's really um, 
thinking things through, and uh, it's cool that he's able to share that information with students uh, through Rich's programs or hopefully on this podcast. I want to again thank Mike Jackson for his work. Um, This week we put some extra time into producing the YouTube videos, and uh, so it was really uh, helpful to have him. The videos I'm referring to are for the Nashville Drummers Jam coming up December 14th at the Exit Inn here in Nashville. Right now we've got five videos up. They're just short interviews talking with the players that are going to be on that show, talking about Alex Van Halen and Van Halen and the Nashville Drummers Jam. So go to the YouTube page and check those out. We've got a whole channel uh, just set aside or a playlist set aside for that. I want to do a shout out to a listener, Terry Hemingway who sent me a really cool message uh, just a couple days ago. Terry writes, Matt, I want to thank you for your service with your podcast. Like you, I have a real love for drumming. Listening to your podcast has really helped me grow as a person. That was awesome. Uh, I I really appreciated that. I'm hoping that we're able to do a little bit more than talk drums here, but talk life. And so the fact that uh, Terry picked up on that, uh, I don't know, tells me we're doing something right. So... Thanks, Terry, for that feedback. Guys, any feedback that you have for me, uh, opinions or uh, anything like that is helpful in kind of keeping us on task. Again, thanks for listening. Uh, Keep an eye out for more information about the National Drummers Jam coming in December. And uh, we'll see you around. Thanks. Bye-bye.